As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packard. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Off the charts, but you gotta play it, Marcus Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard Aziz. AJ, I, I see you, player. Come on. Hello, and welcome back to Anything Is Potable. The best Celtics podcast of all time, as you guys can probably tell. I am not Sam Packard. He's at the Red Sox game right now. Instead, we have a esteemed guest, a legendary guest, Sean Grandy, the radio voice of the Boston Celtics. Appreciate you coming on, Grandy. And one of the hosts of the new Celtics podcast, which you have just said is clearly inferior. Well, yeah. I mean, by, obviously, it's inferior. You're not going to come right into the game and, and knock us off the top seat. <laughs> no, you you guys have done a great job with that, though. It's been a it's been an interesting start, and obviously the hope it's been in the planning stages for a lot of years. And as we kind of go forward, I mean, from a guest standpoint, obviously we just this last week we had Adam Silver, we had Paul Pierce the other day. Obviously, the Celtics are going to be throwing our weight around a little bit to get the people we want to have and start taking deeper dives. Well, as you know, it's not an easy space to step into, so we'll. We'll figure it all out. I just think the most interesting thing about you calling today is we're basically at the one year. How appropriate is it you want to kind of put a bow on this season when we're basically at the one year anniversary of you throwing up all over everything? And little did we realize the how prophetic and poetic that moment was. It really was. It was, you know, it started out as a great idea. Yeah. As as this Celtics team did. <laughs> this year, right? And then it, it quickly deteriorated. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on unpacking this Celtics season, what you think really matters from it, you know, because this has been 
probably the strangest season anyone will ever deal with. There was, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it was even weirder than the bubble and tougher on players than the bubble was. Um, from, you know, on the road, they weren't allowed basically out of their rooms. Like they weren't allowed to do anything on the road. I, I don't think a lot of people understand like just how challenging this year was from that perspective. And then you got COVID cases on top of that and tons of injuries. Um, so let, let's start with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, because I think a lot of people want to criticize them. A lot of people want to put blame or at least some of the blame on those guys. And I want, what, what do you think is appropriate um, for those guys as, as they get the blame thrown at them? Well, they're the best players and the leaders of the team. So like Brad or Danny or anybody else at the forefront, of course they have to bear their responsibility. But isn't the biggest problem with all of this the fact that it will take many years, I think, for all of us to dissect. Here's what we know. We know this team did not do what we thought it would do and what people certainly hoped it would do. And then it's going to take time to sort through the overinflated expectations on one hand, uh, which were obviously have always been there. The complete lack of realization that when we kind of dissect all the numbers, when it's all said and done, sift through them and realize this is one of the youngest teams in the NBA as far as the guys who played the minutes this year. That's number two. Number three is the COVID issue, which we don't even have a great understanding of now. All of those things are legit. They are real. And then on top of it, there's an element where they didn't perform on some nights. But the toughest part for me, I'll give you a great example to me, was the Washington, the game in Washington, which is one of the first really bad games this year. When yeah, was very, I very came bad. home that night and I thought to myself, man, I, I hammered him pretty good. And I hammered – that was one of the worst games we'd ever seen Jason Tatum play. Yeah. And at that point, we're at February 14th then. In my mind, I wasn't even thinking through – long hauler COVID stuff at that time. And I felt bad. I remember going home that night thinking, man, I should that have been introduced into the conversation at some point? And how do you do that? So we just don't know other than we know all four of these things were factors. And if you took all of the things that are clear, how young they were, COVID, there were all the things that were very real that affected this team. There's still a little gap, maybe not that big, but a little gap between where they should have been and where they, where they ended up. And obviously, you know, because I tweet the numbers out all the time. At the end of the day, let's assume they go in with a makeshift crew into these final two games of the year and they lose the game in Minnesota on Saturday. They will finish 13-12 and 12 against those bottom 10 teams in the league. And any any yeah, serious team has got to win 20 of those horrible. 25, 19 of those 25. And so that six or seven game gap right now, just the bottom teams, that six or seven game gap is the difference between us all having a date in a play in Tuesday night and the Celtics being the four seed, which is what a lot of us thought they would be at the start of the year. Yeah. And I think, you know, losing Gordon Hayward and, and I, at the time of the Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague signings, I thought they were going to help the team substantially. You know, I thought Thompson was a great fit. I thought Teague, especially with Kemba Walker, you know, not healthy coming into the season would be a nice piece and then Teague gave them hardly anything. Thompson, for a while, was the Celtics' third best center before they traded Daniel Tice. And, you know, part of the reason they had to trade Daniel Tice was because they gave the mid-level exception to Tristan Thompson. Um, and so I think, like, losing Gordon Hayward for very little, as, as it turned out, it just turned out to be massive. And then, 
that set up the Celtics to like I just think the the end of their bench is is not where you need it to be for a contender, especially in a season like this where guys were going to be out every team and the Celtics had it more worse than most. But every team dealt with injuries, every team dealt with absences. And it's like there are four or five guys on the Celtics bench who are borderline NBA players. And so that to me is like the biggest point. Like everyone wants to fire Danny, fire Brad, like do these crazy overhauls. And really, I just think like they just need to bolster the, the depth chart more than anything. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And also... Over the last couple of years, you've had Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, the high-level NBA talent, and it gives you roster depth, which is what we're talking about, that has left the building and been replaced with very young tw- – how many, you know how many times this year we looked down on the floor and Rob Williams was the oldest guy out there? And I'm in the, in the fourth quarter, this happened on multiple occasions where Rob Williams was the oldest guy on the floor, and teams come in here – with Thaddeus Young and Andre Iguodala and Trevor. Trevor Reese and Andre Iguodala are two of the top five guys in the NBA active among minutes played and points scored. They're on the same same team, basically in the same reserve unit, the way Eric Spolster uses it. So that clearly was an issue. I think the Thompson and Teague idea was sort of to fill that void. But nobody nobody expected a season like this with guys coming in and out of the lineup. And we'll just, as I said, we'll never know, did Jason Tatum – underachieved this year was it a natural step back was it his paul pierce 2004 2005 first year with doc thing where you know progression in the nba isn't steady straight up it's little blocks and this is the year where jalen jason had to learn to make other guys better around them and that takes time and putting aside the the notion of how young they are compared to where paul pierce was that there's a lot of a lot of stuff here that we probably should have been smarter to see it coming, but it was a season that not only did we not see it coming, Jay, this thing wasn't supposed to happen this fast. We're all sitting around in late November thinking, well, this probably starts in what, mid-January, February 1st, some of Martin Luther King Day? No, we're starting December 12th. I'm sorry, what's happening now? And it was no coincidence to me. First of all, unprecedented year in the league in which you had eight really good teams, eight really bad teams, and everybody else was right in the middle. That never, ever happens. That's number one. And number two, is it any coincidence that all the teams that were in the final eight last year, for the most part, all underachieved, that played very deep into the season last year? Can't be. Yeah, I mean, you look at you know the Lakers, the the Heat, the Celtics, like all those teams just went through stretches this year where they were horrible and they've they've all missed key guys for a long time and it it's kind of hard to try to analyze this season because like you said like with the COVID stuff it's like you don't want to give guys excuses but that like that is a an illness and guys are coming back and we don't know and we couldn't possibly know exactly how much that has affected Jason Tatum since then or how much it has affected Evan Fournier or the other guys on the roster. And and so Listen, it's here, like and it's hard to sit here and bash guys who are like playing through all that stuff too. You get affected, I get affected, we are all affected too much. It's impossible, it's human nature not to to be affected by the social media, the vocal minority, the I'll give you a great example uh of just something now. I, I put this out there 
because when wouldn't it be ironic after all the things that happened this year, this would be the first time in 40 years that a team finishes seventh or eighth in the standings and doesn't make the playoffs. That would like be the perfect cherry on the Sunday, right, of the season for the Celtics if it ended up happening that way. But let's assume they win the play. Let's assume they make the playoffs for the sake of this discussion. It'll be seventh straight year they've made it. It's like 17 out of 20, 13 out of 14 years they've made the playoffs. And over the last 15 years, that's also for the sake of this following statement, assume they win one more playoff game in San Antonio does, just for the sake of it. Then for the last 15 years, the Celtics will lead the NBA, lead the league in playoff games played and playoff games won. And what does the vocal minority say on Twitter? And by the way, if you're one of them that says this, it's not an original comment to go, and they only won one championship in all that time? That's a disgrace. Okay, well – uh, this weekend, the Celtics going into Minnesota. They haven't played a playoff game there in 17 years. The Sacramento Kings haven't been. In a, so, And by the way, that one title, that's tied for fourth in the NBA over the last 15 years. So there's 23 or 24 other teams that have zero in that time. So that is just the point that you can't overreact to that stuff. And if you want to fire Brad, fire Brad Stevens. Okay, I'm fine with that. Fire Brad Stevens. But then also you got to fire Spolstra. Popovich, Steve Kerr, uh, certainly Nick Nurse. You got to fire all these guys, right? Because uh, now that's that's my view. If you don't win the championship, fire the other twenty nine coaches, and everybody start over the next year. I get it. People are frustrated and whatever. I I've had to call all these games. <laughs> you know, Rich Gotham and I were talking about this uh, the other day. That you know he was joking that you know you, you Grandy, you've shown great restraint you know, this year. And it's, listen, we're watching it. We're seeing it in real time. We're all going through this, but here's something I've said. And Mike Zarin and I got into a little bit about this because he doesn't, he thinks this assessment is going too far, but I really don't, which is that I think the players, the coaches, the broadcasters, all of us connected to the league have done an extraordinary job of creating something that looked like an NBA season. And we know it wasn't. This is not this. This is the definition of an asterisk season, and it is to everyone's credit, starting with Adam Silver all the way down to to Max and I at the bottom. Everybody in between, we've done a job of painting this picture like this was an NBA season. I love that fans are reacting like it's real, but even if the Celtics lost every game, I would still be firebred. And if you're making major organizational decisions based on what has happened the last few months. I know it's worked out in the short term for Atlanta, but I question major decisions based on a COVID year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, and and there is some fair blame to go around. And I think this this year's team, the, the most surprising thing has been the defense. You know, Brad Stevens 
he has built top defenses with Jared Sullinger, Tyler Zeller, and Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas as three of their key pieces. He has built like top five defenses regularly. I think they were were in the top seven like five of the previous six seasons before this one, and then this year they just have been trashed defensively and in a league that is very bad defensively like this is the worst defensive league in a long long time maybe ever and and they're like 20th in defensive efficiency and and some of it is just like you look at they give up 79 points to the heat in a first half of a game that was critical for playoff positioning and it's like how how does this happen how how has the defense devolved? And you do wonder whether players have have you know whether just the everything's weighed on them, or whether Stevens isn't getting to this team like he has gotten to to other teams in the past. And I, I don't think the defensive personnel is where it was before. Like it's just not. They don't have the the big physical wings like 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 a few years ago. It was they had Marcus Morris, Gordon Hayward. They had Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier coming off the bench. Like, those guys were coming off the bench. I think Marcus Morris ended up starting, and it was Hayward, Jalen, Terry Rozier, and Aaron Baines coming off the bench. Like, those are four-plus defenders with, you know, great athleticism. You lose that, and then you go super young, like you said. And it's there are a lot of rookies that don't really know what they're doing, and a lot of guys that don't, like, Peyton Pritchard and Kevin Walker are both small guards. Carson Edwards, whenever he plays, he's a small guard. They started two centers for a while. Like to me, a lot of it goes goes back to the way Danny built the roster after Gordon left. And- Baines doesn't. Baines does not get mentioned enough. And I'm sorry I didn't mention him before because that's a very important part. Defensively, veteran presence, locker room, all the above. No, there's no question. When you talk about this team, it's like, well, they're young, but they're small. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. It was like that old SMU football documentary when they replaced all the players. Like we, we, we weren't big, but we were slow. You know, it's like <laughs> this is they're just this team as constituted is not that good when you consider that teams in the league this young do not win. They don't win. And of all the numbers we could point to, and the three-point defense is a funny one because it didn't start at the beginning of this year. It was in the middle of this year. The Celtics have been top six every year Brad has been here in three-point defense, and they were sixth midway through this year. And since then, they have been at the bottom of the league, giving up 39%. The last three weeks, I think it's 43%, 43% from three. But if there's one, uh, the number of all numbers to me that's going to define this year is the fact that, barring something unusual this weekend, the Thunder are going to finish the year like 1-24, outscored by 21 points a game over the final 25 historic the worst 25 game performance in NBA history. And we all know where the win was and not only talk about insult injury. That's the J you, as you found the video uh, went out and that story was breaking the other day. That was clearly the one that put it over the top for Jalen after he got hurt in the Laker game was right at the end of that game. He'd score like 39 points or whatever it was. Yeah. But, and I know people respond. This is where that the excuse thing comes in about the injuries and COVID, but you have to mention everything. Because it all fits together. It's all this big pie of, yeah, there's some underachievement there and there's some lack of effort defensively. But when you talk about a game that Jason Tatum had, was that a bad defensive? I mean, I'm sure he had games where his defensive effort wasn't good enough. And I'm sure there were other games where it was sort of post-COVID day. How on earth could we possibly know which 
is which. So like this season as a whole, history is going to determine what happens. And the other element of this cocktail, which played into the expectations a little bit, but you and I probably had this conversation about how people were disappointed in how last year ended. And last yeah. year was the third best team the Celtics have had in the last 30 years. Last year was a stunning achievement for to be the third best team in the to lose Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris and be the third best team in the league the year after was amazing. But because of the perception of because they lost to Miami instead of Milwaukee, it started this this train, you know, kind of rolling downhill of negativity about what they had accomplished when, you know, like well, three conference finals in the last four years. <laughs> well, they haven't won anything there. When I got here, Jay, when I came back from Minnesota, the Celtics hadn't been in the playoffs in seven years and out of nowhere. And I mean, out of nowhere, that team, which made that the Larry Bagwell for uh, Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson trade, trading Joe Johnson away to get Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers to make the run. And they yeah. get to game six of the conference finals. And people wanted to have a parade in this town for that team. Because two years earlier, this town had a parade for a player that won a championship in another city. Ray Bork had a parade in Boston for winning the Stanley Cup in Denver. That's what the mentality was here. 20 years later, six Super Bowls, four World Series, an NBA title, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup Finals. All those come in suddenly, three conference finals in the last four years, which 20 to 25 teams in the league would go berserk to get anywhere near that. Suddenly that's not <laughs> conference finals. We're not about conference finals here. Okay. And I'm sorry, I feel bad for your kids when they don't come, when they come home with A minuses and, you know, <laughs> they have to go to their room. I'm sorry. That's a tough life to live, but there has to be some semblance of. And you know, where, you know what's dividing it to me, Jay? The fans who, are starting to be, well, let them lose these play-in games and get a, improve their draft pick. I think you're going to see the real fans unable to help themselves get into this idea of playing a one-game playoff on Tuesday. And you can't, if you're a real Celtic fan, you can't root against them and see if, and by the way, aren't we back to Brad Stevens, the, his strength throughout his entire career, which is a team that nobody's giving any chance to. They're, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs and they're going to get swept in the first round. Well, now you're back to 2017 and 2018, and you're you're playing. You're a huge underdog playing with house money. Yeah, that one of the things you said earlier that I think was pretty smart is that we should have all been smarter at the beginning of the season in foreseeing some of these issues. And with Hayward, especially, it, yeah, with Hayward's a huge. Yeah, and it, it was like he gave them so much. You know, he was. The biggest of their perimeter players, the the strongest of their perimeter players. He was the best passer uh, among all those guys, the most willing playmaker among all those guys. And, you know, for even though he ended up leaving partly because he wanted more touches, he didn't play like that at all. And And I think that Tatum and Brown, like moving so much of the offense to those guys and giving them so much of the playmaking burden, I think we should have foreseen yep. how that could be an issue. And Kemba and, joining on the fly. Yeah. You know, the original plan, everything was built towards a Martin Luther King sort of opening day, and maybe he'll be ready for the opener. Instead, he comes in 15, 20 games in, doesn't play back-to-backs all year. You could never get sort of any flow. And a lot of teams went through it. Of course they did. Of course the Celtics underachieved. But realistically – 
let's talk about that part of the pie where they didn't play hard on some nights or that some of that defensive stuff we're talking about. Realistically, how many games should this team have won? I mean, they shouldn't have been a 500 team, but how many really are they are they off the pace here? I mean, were they was this team as constituted as good as Philadelphia or Brooklyn with Durant and Harden and Kyrie Irving? I mean, that, that's sort of absurd to suggest. So I think you know everyone has to step back and realize again the key numbers here are 24 and 23, which is the age of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and say, all right, this was an asterisk year. If this happens again next year, if the bench isn't any better, if the, then I think it's I think it's fair to be restless. But it's almost to me, I guess the only thing that bugs me is that last year was seemed to be thrown away. And it's the Brad Stevens argument. Well, Brad, this team underachieved, so Brad Stevens should be fired. Okay. Well, this is his eighth year. He's had two years that you could call underachieving years. I to me, the the hardest thing about a Brad Stevens team is you never know what you're going to get. Because to me, the only year where I thought they were sort of dead on was the first year. That was about right for that team that he had. The next four years were all – they won way more games than they should have and went farther in the playoffs than they should have, except for 2016 when they got screwed on the electoral math of the of the tiebreaker and had to play Atlanta in the first round. Uh, they've gone farther. And then the 2019 was its own mess. Last year, everyone just completely blows by that. That not only was that team good, really good, the most amazing thing about it was uh, – and Jeff Clark from Celtics Blog texted me the other day asking about the number I had mentioned about the Celtics being behind by 20 points this year. 13 or 14 times, whatever it is. It's some really high number. It only happened four times all last year. And from the game in Houston in February until Miami pulled away in the fourth quarter of game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics had a chance to win every single game they played from February through the Conference Finals. And most of those were against playoff caliber teams. It was an amazing year. It's just destined because of the pandemic, because of the bubble, and because of the way we are around here. It's destined to be forgotten when the last 30 years for the Celtics, 2008, 2009, 2020. What do you think should be the lessons for Tatum and Brown from this season? Like moving forward, what what do you think they need to take away from this disappointment? They're, that they are all-stars now. They're established. They've gotten their own individual. They've gotten their big contracts. Jason Tatum got his max deal. Jalen Brown got almost a max deal, the equivalent of it. Now it's about... Two guys are coming for you, Jason, every time. How do you – what's the best way to make your team better around you? That's part of being the star player in the league. Sometimes I, I think I'm too hard on him because I see the sa- I saw the same things in him that everybody else saw, that Brad Stevens and everybody saw when Duke played Florida in that game that everybody, all the Celtics brass, saw watched that game and knew that knew Jason Tatum was going to be the uh, – knew was going to be the number one pick in the draft, that that was the guy they wanted. And from that point on, we've all had such expectations for him that uh, I think we've all just expected him to be the superstar player every single night. And we forget that that takes time and that I was here again, this is part of uh, institutional memory that in 2005, uh, Paul Pierce was what 27, 28 years old and he got kicked out of a playoff game and came out with a bandage, uh, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge bandage on his head yep. in the post game press conference. He was much older much older then than Tatum and Brown are now. So uh, I think we've got to step back and see. You've got – it's much harder to acquire the superstar young talent. That's one thing. you got it. It's better than not having it. 
And can we please stop with the oh, this they're gonna he's gonna leave. Jason Tatum's gonna leave. Can, please, please, let's have a couple of years with with Tatum and Brown. And uh, I think next year they're gonna have pressure on them, and they should. And that comes with the territory. And I bet you if they were sitting here with us right now, they'd say they want that pressure. Yeah, and I think another thing that the Celtics should have learned from this season is the types of players they need around those guys. Like, I think there needs to be more of a premium on on passers, more of a premium on guys with, like, attitude and energy. You know, I, I think they miss that a lot. The the Jay Crowder, the, the Marcus Morris, the like, they don't, outside of Marcus Smart, they don't really have, like, a badass in yeah, their supporting I, cast. I agree know? with that completely. And I think this team, a lot of times, it, it's kind of been confusing that they haven't taken the losses harder. And they haven't, like, I, I can remember Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder would flip out over every single loss. And it was, it was not probably not the uh, healthy way for them to be, but they played with a level of urgency that, that their attitude required. And I don't think the Celtics had enough of that this year. I'm not disagreeing with that point, but I will point out you were around the team. You were in the locker room. You were seeing it differently. That's you're true. Seeing a guy on a zoom. That's another factor here. And I thought about that again, going back to what I said at the beginning about the, that Valentine's day game. I, for the first time in 23 years, I wasn't on the plane after that game to witness the things that we witnessed. That's why this this is an asterisk year in a lot of different ways. Like we're not – you're not interacting with the players, with the, with the team the same way you normally do. Max and I aren't interacting. Mike and Scal aren't interacting with the team at all. Um, so it's a different kind of situation. So we don't – my only thing is I think that to some degree there's a lot of merit in that. But we don't know the same way we would know when you say, well, they're not as mad about it as they – Brad Stevens isn't – he doesn't get on these guys. as Well, I'm, that, that is not true. <laughs> I'll tell you flat out that's not true. But we're not – you're never going to see that. You're never going to see Brad come out here and go, man, I am so sick and tired of these guys. Not He will never, ever, 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 if you waterboarded him, he's not throwing his team under the bus even if they deserve it. That's not his – that's not his gig. And if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't appreciate that, they will one day. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I just I just feel like they like Jay Crowder would be such a good fit for that team. And I think... <laughs> Like they need another tough guy with size and strength. You know, they brought in Fournier, and he's going to be a great fit offensively if they can keep him long term. He's better than I. I mean, you know how you you don't really know a player. You watch them a lot. You watch games, uh, but until you have a player every single game, and you see the subtle things they do and whatever. And I was not someone. I didn't have as much of an appreciation for Evan Fournier as I do now that I'm watching the things that he's that he does. And by the way, as you said earlier. There's probably no better COVID example, if you don't think this is a real thing, than him just mysteriously suddenly looked like uh, at Space Jam, looked like the Monstars had gotten them in Space Jam, right? And he couldn't, he just couldn't play for a week. And then all of a sudden, bang, it just, you know, it snapped back into focus. And then to hear his description of it, scary. it just sounded this like a scary, nightmare. Yeah. This is really scary stuff. We don't see these guys going through Florida, you know, where apparently the pandemic didn't really exist. They were sort of just in denial of the whole thing. And we sent this team down. By the way, when the first big wave hit the Celtics, where had they been for the three or four days before that? Florida. In Florida. So not not brain surgery. I think that we don't appreciate what they've been through, the coaches have been through, the testing, changing all the schedules. Uh, I say that – I've just been saying this in different interviews and podcasts just because I don't think anybody else is going to say it. Unbelievable marks for the officials this year who are doing the exact same thing that the players are doing testing protocols all the other stuff and they they're flying commercial they've got to get to the games themselves or whatever and i know it's not a popular thing. Oh, the officials the officiating hasn't been as good this year no kidding what has <laughs> i'm calling games off of television nothing is going to be as good as it is supposed to be but we're almost at the end of this you know this year and a half of asterisk nba basketball and i think we've had some remarkably listen we all know the games in the bubble were amazing as far as being high-level games, I think people are kind of jacked up about the playoffs coming up. And I think history will show that professional sports and the NBA specifically did unbelievably well during this time. But why don't we why don't we all get back to our lives in October before we start drawing too many conclusions about what this year means? As obviously the Celtics front office is going to have to balance all that. You know, like like what is meaningful from this season? What yeah. What matters actually from this season? What what is real about it? Um, and I think Danny Ainge, to to me, like there are, have been a lot of issues for this team. Um, I think a lot of it falls back to the roster construction, mm-hmm. and and the Celtics, like like you said, they've lost a lot of talent over the last few years, and. And I just think like they've tried to stay young and I think they've done that partly to continue building a core of young players around Tatum and Brown. Um, But it just puts a lot of pressure on those young guys to be good right away. And very few young guys are good right away. And when they're not like this team has just really suffered, I think from a lack of depth all season. And that, that to me, like, Danny needs to address that somehow. What what would be your path to kind of upgrading the roster around those two guys 
this offseason? Well, that's the first – that's task number one, right? Figure out who stays and who goes. There's just – there's too much cluster um, in that roster. And I think it felt more clustered this year because there was no G League for the Celtics, which is a decision that they wrestled with. As it turns out, they needed those guys. I mean, they were they couldn't have a G League team because you had too many yeah, nights. From those, Boston, yeah. Yeah, you needed those guys to, to play. Um, but there's, there's too much replication. And by the way, you certainly got more than you could have had a right to expect from Peyton Pritchard. And with the finish that Neesmith had, I mean, again, this is another example of how Sadiq Bey comes in and has that big game for Detroit early in the year. What a bust Aaron Neesmith is. And I'm like, oh, okay, really? You're going to have a bust after eight games or whatever. And obviously Neesmith has just looked tremendous. So you could argue that those guys are ahead of where they they should be. But how many, you know, is Tremont Waters an NBA player? Carson Edwards, when do you make a decision? And then you have the great dilemma of Romeo Langford and Rob Williams, which is, hey, we've seen good things, but as Doc Rivers famously said, the number one ability is availability. And I, I know Max specifically is very disappointed in Rob Williams that he just can't stay on the floor. And at some point you have to make a, a decision. And I think we all know we all love Grant Williams, that this was a tough sophomore year um, for him. So what what is he in the NBA? And you combine – 22-year-olds trying to figure out their place in the league. And by the way, one of the biggest problems with the team two years ago was that Terry Rozier and Tatum and Brown and all these guys, they weren't role players where you're you're at five through eight on the roster. That's not a role player. You're a rotation player. But still, championship teams, high-level championship teams, are not built with five through eight being 22-year-olds on their first contract in the league trying to figure out where they fit. It's not how it works. You're, it's the Thaddeus Youngs. The best example, obviously, is the Golden State teams. When those teams had Andre Iguodala and Zaza Pachulia and Sean Livingston and Bogut, guys who had they had been through it. They got their contract. They got their now they want to win. And to me, the bottom, I don't say the bottom half of the roster, that middle third of the roster, that is where you need you know, the Tristan Thompsons of the world. And I, you know, Jeff, the Jeff Tig thing was a disappointment because he didn't really give you any more. That the idea was to upgrade from Brad Wanamaker and it turned yeah. out not to be, but that was the idea that here's Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. That was a saving move because Gordon Hayward, that, the plan was for Gordon to come back. Nobody. And of course, history, I'm more interested in the big picture and how things just go off on sidetracks. The biggest thing that happened to the Celtics in the last 10 years, as far as changing history, was five minutes into Gordon Hayward's first game. That changed everything. Because even years later, because not only did you not really get Gordon Hayward, except we had a really good year last year, but you really didn't get him during his time here. That would have been his time to be the guy. Because he came here to be the guy. There's no Kyrie Irving when he comes here. Jason Tatum is just a 19-year-old from Duke. Isaiah Thomas had been the guy. And Gordon Hayward was coming. He was joining that. And what happened by him being a non-factor, really, for the first two years that he was in Boston, what happened in those two years was Jason Tatum became Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown developed, and his time to be the guy, which he wanted, which he deserved, he never had it. So he, he, he still had a hunger for that. And it was, it was no longer available here, which is one of the main reasons he left, because he he'd gotten the money anywhere. But that was... The, the double-edged sword of that, not only did you not get Gordon Hayward, who, by the way, oh, he's always hurt. He wasn't until he got here. He was always in the top 20 in minutes played the four or five years before here. He was in the top 20 again in minutes played until he got hurt when it was a perfect 
You never really got Gordon Hayward here except for 20 or 30 games last year. And then he left in part because he never he didn't have those years here. And whose fault was that? Nobody. And then then it pissed off all the the young guys who had stepped in and and played so admirably in the playoffs. Oh. Then, you know, the, the Terry Rozier's and and it impacted Jalen too where they play so well in the playoffs and then have to come back and take a very diminished role. So yeah, that that changed everything. They're still trying to recover from it. I think they need to be active this offseason. I, I don't think big changes are like front office changes or coaching changes are necessary. Like Brad Stevens can coach his ass off. Danny Ainge, until the last two years, put on just a clinic of team building over and over again. Um, I do think that like Brad will reevaluate will evaluate this season and come back and and you know hope to at least build a much better defense he said he was he's been most disappointed that the defense has just not been there um and then danny i think like i think he needs to put more of an emphasis on getting the the tough veteran guys who know how to play and and want to be role players you know that's that's a thing too that to have guys who know how to be role players and want to be role players is really important. And, and I don't think they had enough of that guys that, that know where to fit in as role players in the league. Like the young guys on their team, they're just trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out where they fit in. And those guys and, have to have cachet though. Tristan yeah. Thompson has that. He's won a championship. He's been with the best. You have to have that. You're going to be in a role, a role, were a team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You've got to, you know, if you don't have a ring, you've got to have some long runs. You've got to have the cachet to be able to 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 be a leader. The one of the greatest leaders ever that the Celtics have had in this Brad Stevens run the first year was Gerald Wallace, but he wasn't that. He didn't have that superstar cachet to be the the top guy in the room. You have to have someone that when they speak, you know, Thaddeus Young has been around. Andre Iguodala has been Finals MVP. And they're still performing at a high level, but you need that, you know, in those spots. So clearly it's, it's, I agree with you completely. Danny is not the issue here. Brad's not the issue here. Top of the roster is not the issue here. It's just the, the middle bottom of the roster is just too young and inexperienced. And you end up could take that combine it with the injuries and the COVID and everything else. Of course, Miami's going to run circles around you when they finally get healthy. And all of a sudden they're trotting out Dragic and Iguodala and, and I mean, Tyler Hero is just would have been a perfect Celtic because he just is as cocky as the day is long, and just he is a cocky kid. There's no quietness. <laughs> I tell you, Max Max just is in love with that kid because that's what he loves. Is they, I'm just going to come out here and I'm going to shoot and whatever. Um, but that's again, it comes with there's swagger. There's no doubt this team did not have swagger. So they a lot had of skill, a lot of skill, but you need some of that. The t- toughness is the most important thing. But don't underestimate Swagger. Like, so you give me Peyton Pritchard is going to be in this league for a long time if he can stay healthy because he's going to, uh, he looks like a dog trying to get, a, you know, just trying to wrestle a bone away from another dog when he's defending. And that is a beautiful thing to say. So, and, and I think we've obviously seen from Aaron E. Smith, who once he calms down, because that dude is wild. He's a Max already nicknamed the Crash. That's what we call him uh, because he's just all over every collision, every whatever. But you can see the game. You could just see it slowing down for him in the second half of the year, which is 
uh, exactly what Jerry Stackhouse said was going to happen uh, with him, and it did. So I think you're in you're in good shape with the two rookies, but that middle of the roster, it's time to decide on Carson Edwards, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams. What are they in the NBA? And are, even if they are NBA players, how many of them can you have on one team? You know, you need. Uh, I, I want to see whoever's coming in here. I just want to make sure they've been able to drive for more than a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that, they they need, and and I think they've taken steps toward rounding out their rotation. Right, like if they keep Fournier, he's an obvious piece that fits with the rest of the roster. If yeah. if Neesmith continues to develop, like not only is he a valuable player, but his shooting, his energy, his defense should fit very well next yeah. to Tatum and Brown. And then Pritchard, like you said, like I think he's he's going to be in the NBA for a long time. He'll be in a rotation for a long time. So there were like hits that the Celtics had. It just and Robert Williams, I mean, his development, like you said, he needs to stay healthy, but I don't think anyone envisioned him being as productive this season as he has been like he has been when he's on the court, he's been great, like really, really good. But perfect. Another example of this team this season, everyone early in the year, play Robert Williams more play by that Daniel Tice. Give me Robert Williams, Robert Williams. Okay. I didn't disagree that it was better for the long run to give Robert Williams the gig and give him the minutes, but you did not get better when you put Robert Williams in there and got rid of Daniel Tice. That's a That's a step back to take two steps forward. And the problem is there are people around here that don't want to acknowledge or are willing to go through a step back. It was the right decision, but you're yeah. not – Robert Williams is not a better NBA player right now than Daniel Tice. His upside is extraordinary. We've all seen it, and it's the right thing. It was the right thing to give him the spot. But that comes with – there's a price that comes with that, which is that you have to wait. Yeah, and, and I think the Celtics – like I don't think they approached this year as sort of like a, a bridge year, but I think it became a bridge year. Absolutely. Um, and and so, and they, I think they treated it sort of as such. Like they got they traded their starting center in a salary dump for players that they knew were not as good as Daniel Tice. And, and you know they weren't going to be able to resign Daniel Tice, and that was the you know Daniel Tice wants big money, he's earned it, and you make a decision. It was like tank flash forward history is just the same thing, right? Same circles repeating over and over again. Same thing with Perk, losing Perk hurt the Celtics, but the Celtics were not going to resign him in the offseason for the money he wanted, and that was the gamble. And remember that year, you also have to take the information you have. And here's all right. Robert Williams is playing really well. Let's just play him. You didn't know Robert Williams was going to be hurt and miss most of the, you know, yeah. the end of the season, just like ten years ago. The Celtics, the best lineup in the NBA in the 2010-2011 season was the Celtics starting five with Shaq. So when you trade Kendrick Perkins, you're expecting Shaq to come back. He never made it back, and that was that was the 2011 season. That was it. That was it. Appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a lot of fun for me. Always, always enjoy chatting with you. I just like having the thing that anything is potable thing over. <laughs> there you Being go. Branded. Yeah, t- tell me more about your podcast. What, what's what's coming up? What's in the what's in the works for that? Well, it's uh, probably the biggest, the longest form one that we have been trying to piece together is about Mbutu. 
And so we've literally, we've talked to Doc Rivers and we've talked to Sam Cassell and we talked to Paul about it a little bit. You know, we talked to Paul the other day, mostly about, about KG. Um, so I think the idea of it, and again, very preliminary at the start here, but the idea is to do more of the deep dive on things. Um, I'll give you an example. Like there'll be, eventually there'll be an upcoming episode on the 2013 off season, you know, and what yeah. we'll be able to do is we'll be able to talk to Danny and talk to Brad and whatever, and kind of tell that whole story, which really goes back, you know, in, in Danny's case, it really goes back to his conversation. It goes back 30 years to his conversation with red about debtless shrimp and making that deal and teams getting older and red didn't go that way. And so it was always in Danny's mind and all the years, the potential deals for Ray Allen over the years that every story has many things that come before it. Yep. And then many things that after the decision is made, the things that come after it. But I think that's the kind of thing we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to do. And the show, obviously the big thing this summer will be the, uh, the Kevin Garnett as we're talking now, it's, it didn't even hit me until yesterday that the Celtics are playing the Timberwolves tomorrow on Kevin Garnett. Hall of Fame weekend. Oh yeah, and, I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I think the show. I, I, I don't know how it's going to come out, but just the Showtime documentary to me. When you think of the people that were interviewed um, between Minnesota and Boston, and here, it's just. I mean, I I can tell you they asked. They came in for a day. I think Mike Gorman did some stuff with them. Scal did. Uh, obviously, Paul did out in L.A. They asked me to come in for an hour. I was there for two and a half hours talking about just the whole just the whole experience of it and it's got extraordinary potential so we're pretty excited about that and then yeah. you know, we'll finally get to retire his number and uh now that now that alex rodriguez owns the timberwolves maybe that minnesota will be able to do it too so. you feeling a little old now that kg's getting inducted into the hall man i feel old every time you remind me every time <laughs> long time voice of the of the celtics you know we've done this we've done this bit for years but it, it won't be long like i've always been able to hide behind being with Max and Tommy and Mike as uh, always the young guy, right, in the group. And then eventually pretty soon you look up and it's uh, – I'm talking about the, my first year in Boston, which this is 20 years with Max. Um, and then the three years I was with KG before that in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm, as I'm sure you'll remind me, i got a big birthday coming up in December. I'm sure you'll send me a card. 70? Uh, yeah. Size. <laughs> Um, I'll hold that in a little Will Chamberlain, that Devin Booker sign up. <laughs> so yeah, it comes in, comes and goes. Institutional memory, though, right? So mm-hmm. this, I'm in, I'm in the sweet spot because when I get to that age, the memory will be gone, so there'll be no point whatsoever to having the institutional memory. Because now it can be like, oh yeah, you remember that game in 2009? I'll be like, yeah, Kevin Garnett had 21 points, and we we flew to. By the time I get to 70, I'll be like, Kevin, who? I don't. <laughs> uh, appreciate you quite a bit, man. Got to wrap it up and go eat some dinner. But uh, thank Try you for your time. Try to keep it down, right? I'm not. I, that's the only meal I've ever called of yours, and I won't be calling any others. I will. I will certainly keep it down tonight. There will be no ten thousand calories of McDonald's this time. <laughs> uh, thank you, man, and all our listeners. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you get our podcast. We'll be back two two times a week. We're going to start doing the post game shows. Uh, that we'll be streaming live after the play-in games. So get ready for those. You'll have to see my ugly mug instead of just listening to my awful voice. Thank you all. Take care.